This is Positively Hygiene with your hosts, Amber Lovatos, Amy Parenti, and Angela Doe. Listen on as we dive into the positive of dental hygiene. So we had an episode where we talked about side gigs, but what if you are, you love clinical hygiene or even just in to find a full-time job? Is there more than just clinical? Okay, so I can tell you about my two experiences outside of clinical that have been full-time jobs. One, I taught in a dental hygiene school, and then one I taught at a high school. At the high school, I was a healthcare science. So if you're looking to get into this, Google healthcare science, career and technology education teacher. So I taught for a public school and I taught medical terminology, principles of health science. But I have friends who taught like anatomy. My sister teaches this and she teaches dental assisting, taught micro, medical micro. So there's a variety of classes that you could potentially teach. He was like 65,000 per year here in Texas, but I got summers off for, you know, like the month and a half of summers. I got two weeks of holiday, winter break, Thanksgiving, spring break. So those breaks were like really nice. Plus I got 10 paid days off per year, whether they were sick or not. And those days carried over to the following school year, which was really nice. Uh, The summertime, I then like would do temping so that I could make up some of that money. Requirements. I had a bachelor's degree. My friend Maxine Cordova, she also did this. She did not have a bachelor's degree. She had an associate's degree, but she had the intention of getting a bachelor's degree. And because I vouched for her, they let her teach anyways. And she made the same thing that I did. I have some teacher retirement from that, which is nice. During when I did it, you had to have a teaching certificate. So I went to school to be a teacher. I took a state test, just like the dental hygiene board, kind of like that. But I don't want to say harder but more broad because it was about nursing. It was about physical therapy. It was about a bunch of things. But now you can work in a school in a district of innovation where you do not have to have a teaching certificate. You can just go and teach them. That's what my sister does now. And then you taught at dental hygiene school as well. And then there's like different sectors of that, right? Like you can be didactic, clinical, and even director is a dental hygienist. Yeah, I taught at a proprietary school and I taught at a university. Proprietary school. So here in like where I live, there's community colleges, proprietary schools, and then university. What I find is that proprietary schools and the community colleges tend to be more part-time and no benefits, but the community colleges pay well. The community colleges, some of them pay up to like $47 an hour. Proprietary school actually paid very low, I think like 32 an hour. University paid less per hour. I think it was making like $28 an hour, something so silly. So you're allowed to teach with a degree higher than what you're teaching. So if my students were in a bachelor's program, and in order for me to teach didactic, you should have a master's. Um, If you're just teaching in clinical, you can just have, you can have the degree that they have a bachelor's for a bachelor's. But if you're in an associate's program, you can have a bachelor's degree and teach a didactic course. The differences I would say between community college and university level is university level really focuses on promoting you up to the different levels. So assistant professor, associate professor, full professor. And in order to do those things, you need to have, they have like a rubric of things that you need to do. So being in leadership, serving on community, serving on research, publishing awards. That's why I really started going after awards was because I needed as an educator for my rubrics in order to help me to get promoted, in order for me to help me to get more compensation and raises. But I wasn't making very much. I think at bachelor's degree full-time, I was making 60000 per year. And I was not getting summers off. It was not the benefits. I was making more money teaching public school than I was teaching at the university level. At the university, now that I'm thinking about it, there's more roles than 
teaching and being the director of the program. I know Harold Henson, I forget what his role is because he has, he's been in many and very high roles, but he's a dental hygienist. And then Margot Melcher, she's a dental hygienist. So Dr. Margot Melcher, yeah, Dr. Margot Melcher, she is director of community outreach for the University of Texas. So she's in charge of the dental vans for the dental school, fundraising money. She's in charge of the dental students rotation schedule for outside rotations versus as clinic coordinator for the dental hygiene students. I was in charge of the rotations for the dental hygiene students. Dr. Harold Henson, who they are both dental hygienists, he was the director of professional development. He worked in a department to help you learn how to be a better educator, but he would put on these courses to teach you about my teaching. That's what he would do on like our version of Lunch and Learns, where we would go and learn during our lunch hour about different technologies, about objective writing, about a variety of things. That's what he did. And obviously there's the director role. We also had a role called facilitator, which a lot of the students, if you were taught by me or went to the school, you had your facilitator and you had your clinic coordinator. And for me, I had both roles, facilitator and clinic coordinator. Facilitator is and coordinator go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. Facilitator helps you with your patient pool. So you have 10 patients in your family, your patient family. And as a facilitator, I would help you audit those charts. I would help you case complete those patients. I would help you make sure like, hey, did this patient get all the things that they needed? What are you missing from them? That was a different role. And that did come with extra money. When I graduated dental hygiene school, I returned back to the practice I was working at as an assistant. And immediately I became like the full-time or the lead hygienist. It was a private practice. It was small. Um, The lead hygienist. And then I took on managerial responsibilities too, because sort of during the time I entered, she was like the lead dental assistant and also was like clinical operations manager. She was leaving. And so I ended up sort of dividing her responsibilities on me. I didn't realize it at that time, but basically I was being molded into being a clinical operations manager as well. So as a dental hygienist, I was doing payroll. I was inputting checks. I was training dental assistants. I was interviewing dental assistants and front desk. I would actually look over front desk sometimes. And it seemed different when I was in it. But looking back, I'm like, that was a lot. My attention being divided in different ways. Um, And no wonder, like, eventually I got burned and stressed out. But imagine like I'm with my patient at that same time in the back of my head, I'm wondering, are we running on time? Or is, are these assistants bringing the next patient back on time? And it was, it was nice in the sense that like, I know I had a big voice in the practice. So like if we needed new instruments, if there was a product I wanted to try, like I had pretty much good range into being like, okay, I can order it, you know? as long as it's like within a certain budget, like I'm good. And so I, I liked being able to do that. You know, that was like a perk that came with it. Um, but I know like that's not necessarily what lead hygienists do at practices. It's, it's different. Um, I didn't realize like I would have that much responsibility uh, when I became that. And so I, now I'm at a practice where I work part-time and the other hygienist works part-time. She's been there longer. So I do consider her like the lead hygienist. Um, or at least, you know, I make sure things are kosher with, you know, things are good for her if I'm wanting to suggest some changes. I was a director of a nonprofit dental clinic. And a lot of the things that you did, I did as director. 
approving timesheets. Um, I made like 80,000 a year. I didn't get paid more. Just that's on me. Yeah, you didn't get paid. You didn't get paid more. I got paid more. It required a bachelor's degree, really. And then I had ex- a lot of experience in community outreach. So that's really what brought me in was that I had a lot of connections and they felt like I would be able to bring resources into the clinic. Yes, I was seeing patients, um, was managing the staff, interviewing staff, hiring staff, managing the budget, submitting invoices. We didn't have reception for a long time, answering the phones, making appointments. It's a full-time job on its own. I think I'm kind of just speechless over here because, Angela, I know I, we've talked before that you were a clinical operations manager. I've always assumed, I, whenever I pictured it, I pictured you in an office. I didn't know you were seeing patients as a hygienist with all these additional responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, if I wasn't with a patient, I was in my office. And that was taxing for me. I am flexible. I am flexible to the degree, you know, in understanding. But you have to like shift your mind. And Amber and I have talked about this off camera. Um, You have to shift your mind from being in like clinician patient mode to okay, being in office mode. And being in office mode, maybe I have like five, 10 minutes between a patient. At the same time, I don't want to sit there and twiddle my thumbs. So I just try, try to start doing something. But a lot of office stuff like takes more time. So you're like going on, off, on and off. So in a way, it wasn't like the most efficient use of my time too, versus maybe hiring someone specifically for that role. It would take them less time, you know, and and things would get done quicker. Um, So I'm glad I did that because I do feel it adds skill set to what I do. And certainly I know more about like just seeing patients, more like the ins and outs of offices and how that works and been a part of like the bigger picture. It wasn't a role like I thought I would have so quickly because I know at some offices, you know, you start out as a dental hygienist, maybe part of like three or four. And then at some point, one person becomes the lead RDH. Like this is what I hear. Um, so then if you've been at a practice with the lead RDH, like do they do the ordering? Do they see patients too? Like how does that work? Previously, I've worked in an office where there was about five hygienists. Um, this is probably the, I've always worked in smaller practices, which I just personally, that's just a personal preference. I enjoy a smaller atmosphere. Um, there was three dentists and five hygienists at the last one I worked at. So there was a lead hygienist and she would be kind of just the vocal point from the practice owner. So the practice owner would have meetings with her, with the office manager, and maybe one other person. It's been a while, so I can't really remember, but there was, like basically managers of different departments. Um, and our lead hygienist was the clinical manager. So she oversaw the assistants and the hygienists and maybe the associates. I don't really remember, but the practice owner would speak to her. Then she would come and meet with us individually. Like Amy, you know, you haven't been getting the distal of the cane. I don't know. Something simple, you know, like simple things that if the practice owner had a complaint, she would just go tell her. So that way, like her hands were clean, which I think is good for a practice. You know, like it should be, you don't typically get in trouble by the principal. You know what I mean? Like in school, you get in trouble by like the disciplinarian or, you know, like the counselors or something. Like, you know, the practice owner should always, in my opinion, shouldn't be the one with the confrontation. They should be able to delegate those managerial things downward and be able to, you know, run the practice through other people and kind of maintain that positive light among them, I think. So I think in that term, lead hygienist is a really good role because, they can communicate everything to that person. That person then can relate a lot more with co-hygienists. Hey, I know you're struggling with getting the distal of the 
canine. So let me show you what I do. You know, whereas if someone just says, you know, these x-rays stink, you know, stop <laughs> taking them or I don't want to, I'm not coming for an exam until you get that done. You know, like that's not going to hit that hard. So we had that lead role, which I thought was pretty cool to be able to work up to. She had um, set time off during blocked off and the schedule. So that's where it's a little bit different from just my experience with her. She would work clinical, but then say Tuesday, it was half admin so she could get everything done. I liked how you said, like, you don't get in trouble by the principal or there's someone else to, like, address the situation. I was the one to always address the situation, good or bad. And then the employees would be like, they would be like, I feel like I'm getting called to the principal's office. And I'm like, no, no, it's good. Like, so, like eventually I would preface it like, oh, it's good. But then, yeah, I, I would always be the one to address it. But yeah, I think you're right to do someone that, uh, to have someone address it who understands on that level to give them tips. Because it's not like you're in trouble, but it's like, hey, how can we redirect and fix this so it doesn't happen again? I know like um, there was a time where two bite wings, they look similar versus, you know, one you have to get back once the molar, once the premolar x-ray. And then the doctor told the assist, asked the assistant, like, who took these x-rays? And it's like, okay, well, and the assistant told them who took them. And then they're like, okay, well, these x-rays look similar. So just please let her know to take it further back, you know? And it's easier to hear from your peer yeah. versus, you know, maybe from a doctor or an office manager. It may sound like, oh my God, I, they're reprimanding me. You know, when really it's like, no, let's just fix this, you know? I was at the Hispanic Dental Association this weekend and one of my former students with there was there and she is actually now a sales rep. Um, so she was telling me about her role as a sales rep. Basically four days per week, they're actually driving around, going to dental offices that maybe are who buy from them. Um, and sometimes they're also going to offices who basically like cold calling going into office trying to, trying to make sales. She says she seems to really enjoy it. Um, and she said like maybe one day per week they do like um, work from home admin stuff. And I, I guess in my mind, I didn't I realize that they travel so much, right? And they travel not just like during the week, but also they were at the conference on Saturday. Uh, my friends, we have a lot of friends who work in for companies and they're working during the week and working conferences every single weekend. But don't let that be a reason why you don't apply because you're like, oh, maybe like I can't travel. And I've gotten sales reps where they had no dental background, um, that they were fresh out of like business marketing school, uh, school. And it was difficult to talk to them because they don't understand like the dental terminology or what you're looking for. So uh, when their sales rep positions looking specifically for dental assistant, dental hygienist, like... I am happy to see them because it's so much easier to understand each other, know what each other are looking for. I think it adds so much credibility because I know even from working clinically and when we have lunch and learns and I see BSDH, I'm like, okay, this person knows what they're talking about versus just a rep. Anyone with a bachelor's from what I understand can be a sales rep for a lot of different companies. doesn't matter. It could be in basket weaving, <laughs> you know? So, But then when I see the hygiene background, I'm like, okay, it just adds so much credibility. And I listen a lot more i'm a lot more engaged because you know also shout out like i know we haven't addressed this at all and betrell the ceo of the american dental hygiene association recently passed away what a trailblazer she was she was a dental hygienist and a ceo of an, our national association major association i mean like 
props to her because that is not an easy feat. Um, I think something to where somebody would maybe see you. And we were talking about this off camera about kind of maybe some of the, the controversy uh, when she was alive um, was that people were like, we're paying her how much? And on one side, people were saying like, we shouldn't be spending our dues um, paying her this amount. On the other side of things though, we as hygienists, we want to be seen for our value, for our worth, right? Um, and if I'm a CEO of a company, I want to be paid same as another CEO of a company. And she was being paid comparable to what other CEOs of other associations were being paid, right? Um, and I think like, man, if nothing else, like the value that that brings just being able to say that there are hygienists who are CEOs, you know, um, because especially in a, our career where you could go into it and say, oh, hygienists aren't CEOs, hygienists aren't, that's, aren't qualified to do that. You can say Ann Patrell was CEO. We have hygienists who are CEOs and that is value for us. That is trailblazing for us. That is leading the way um, and proof that we are qualified for positions like that. And she was the CEO for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. So editor person for Through the Loops is Bethany Montoya. She's a hygienist. She has an associate's degree. Again, like not letting those things like not having a bachelor's degree hold you back. If you want a bachelor's, if you want a master's, go get it. But don't let it be the reason that it holds you back. Jackie Sanders also trailblazer, impressive woman, dental hygienist. She used to work for Sunstar. Uh, I'm not sure what she did for Sunstar, but she worked there for a long time. Obviously, top person for them. And now she's the editor-in-chief for RDH Mag. What a like super, I would say, coveted position to to be in. That's impressive. I don't know. We've had to hear their stories. I would love to know Jackie's story. I know a little bit. I know some. Just only because I was in RDH Evolution last year, which is the like the mini conference. Um, it's like a development in who you are before RDH under one roof. So I got to learn some of her story there and it was very inspiring, very inspiring. My advice for people, if you're trying to get out of clinical, maybe get on LinkedIn, re-ramp that resume, get some headshots, start networking, start talking to people. Um, I mean, my sister, when she applied to work at Cloud, she applied three times, was rejected three times before she finally got the job. So don't let that like stop you. Um, even if you don't get it the first time, you know, it sometimes it takes time. Yeah. Network and talk to people. I know Amy and I work in private practice, so the structure is different, but I know we have friends that work in DSOs and yeah. beyond like clinical, there's, I think a hygiene ed trainer, Mentors. hygiene educator, mentor. Yeah. They have different positions within the DSO that are non-clinical for dental hygienists to support dental hygienists. We also did, we used to be instructors for a laser course. So that was like kind of a part-time thing where we didn't own the laser company, but we would teach part-time clinically teaching how to do hands-on laser courses. Yeah, and then we get paid cool. for a day. That, that was cool too. Um, also through networking, but also letting people know like, hey, I know how to use lasers. I could teach people how to use lasers, right? Yeah, definitely lots of possibilities out there for dental hygienists. Yeah, and that's, it's amazing to hear. I mean, even just having this conversation is is really enlightening. And I love to see the different career opportunities that there are for us. Don't just, you know, there's whatever you want to do out there, it's going to be there yeah. for you. Yeah, and if you're a dental hygienist doing other things, let us know. We'd be curious to hear from you and um, what other opportunities are out there. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Positively Hygiene. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram for the opportunity for how you can contribute to our podcast. And follow and review Positively Hygiene on Apple and Spotify Podcasts.